Welcome, welcome. Such a joy to be here in the house of the Lord. Be with all of you. I'll tell you what, I don't think there's any better place on earth to be on a Sunday morning, do you? Amen. Well, I know the Lord has something in mind for us this morning. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 6 and just hold there for a while. One of my best friends is here in the audience. I don't want to embarrass uh, Dave and Janelle Birch, so I won't tell you their names. But <laughs> him and I played sports together. And if you want to know how good of an athlete I was, just ask Dave. He can prove to you how good I was because now that we're this age, our memories are failing. So I don't think he'll remember exactly what I was really like, you know. But I want you to, if some of you have trouble believing how wonderful I was as a young man. <laughs> I just need some little love this morning. All right. We're going to start a new series uh, through Christmas, and I'm so excited about this. I felt like the Lord just downloaded into me a series of messages called Blessed Beyond Measure. Is there anybody in the house that if I could say sign up for this, somebody say, I'd love to be blessed beyond measure. Anybody? One hand. Double blessing. Two hands. All right. Just wondering. That's where I'm at. You know, I'll take a double blessing. One of the things that we're going to emphasize early on is to be blessed beyond measure means that you have to understand the principles of kingdom living. How many have lived long enough in the kingdom of God to know that's true? There are principles that are every bit as real as the principle of gravity, the principle of breathing. It's a way you breathe in the spirit and flourish. Uh, it would be insane for me to say, you know, we've been breathing a lot lately. I think we need to back up from being so extreme, you know, with our breathing. I've been breathing every second, 7, 24, you know, for so long. Let's just take a break from breathing. You know, that'd be crazy. You can't almost breathe too much sometimes. I guess you can hyperventilate, but that's so rare. <clears throat> the first principle I want to talk about, and you'll notice I, I won't number these principles. Uh, because that'd be like, again, an, a silly analogy. Number which one of your legs is more important to you? Well, they're both important. I don't want to be without either one or my arms. I don't want to rank the importance of members of my body. They're all necessary to live. So in the principles of the kingdom living, there's a principle that we want to talk about today. To be blessed beyond measure, you have to understand church. Now, the reason I'm talking about the principles and choosing the principles I'm choosing, it won't be an all-inclusive list. But I feel like Luke chapter 6 has some amazing major principles of kingdom living. And Luke 6 will be the anchor by which we talk about these principles in the coming weeks. I want to start in Luke 6, chapter 17, and we're going to begin to answer the question, why church? Chapter 6, beginning in verse 17, I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. 
the version of the Bible straight from the hands of the apostle. Thank you for laughing. <clears throat> and he came down with them and stood on a level place. Everybody say level place. Level place. With a great crowd. Say great crowd. Don't you love great crowds? A great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all. Say all. all. Thank you. From all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Who came to do what Kevin talked about today. They came to hear him. Wow. And to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe or warning to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. I know that ends on somewhat of a negative note, so we're going to go to prayer right now. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for its richness to our hearts and lives. For we cannot live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Today, Father, we're asking that you would speak through a human vessel and that through the Holy Spirit, the miracle of every ear in this place will hear a specific word to their life that will alter the trajectory of their future. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen, amen and amen. Go greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Let them know you're glad they're here. Our countdown slide has wound down. Hey. All right, all right. I can always tell when BSU wins. It's just so much excitement in the crowd. It's like, this is when we want to take an offering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just trying to get your attention out there. Scare some of you back into your seats. I'll tell you what, I love, 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 love the fact that you love each other. Keep it up. I love when a pastor has to stop you from fellowshipping. I pray that I didn't do that in your hearts. What we're about to talk about out of Luke, I want to say I've not said to uh, you very often, and some of you young people, I want to uh, let you know I feel a special word on my heart today for young people. Um, 
ladies, I feel like I have a special word today for the ladies. Men, uh, grandparents, everybody, there's a special word for you today. And when the Bible is open to your heart, it speaks to you personally. So I want you to know that in most circles, it's not against God to underline in your Bibles or to make little notes in the margins. Some publishers even give you Bibles with wider margins so you can write notes. It's okay. Just don't cross out a word you don't like in the Bible and substitute your own. <laughs> even if you think you know Greek, be careful with that kind of stuff. Why church? You know, when we talk to other people about why they should come to church or why we want to invite church, do you find yourself defaulting to the easy things? Oh, our music's so good. We have a beautiful building. We, we give breakfast burritos. We have this awesome pastor, and when Susie preaches, people just love it. <laughs> uh, that's where I default. I'm, I'm telling you how I... And I realized that the biggest draw in the world isn't humans. Now, loving humans are a huge draw. So let me be careful. The love of God is the draw. And so when loving Christians have the love of God, you are an amazing draw. So I, I don't ever hesitate to tell people, I know they'll love you there. I know they'll like you. They're, they're friendly people. They, they let me come into their group, so I know they'll take anybody. You know, those kind of things we say, because we want them to know they're going to be loved, not rejected, not judged, not looked down our noses at them. Christianity, as Kevin said, isn't a religion. It's a relationship. Amen. To love the Lord our God with all and to love each other as ourself is what draws people to Christ. But I want to talk about what really draws people to Jesus is that he will talk to them Amen. in a way that you and I can't even figure out how to talk to people. God can talk to somebody's heart. Yes. I, I was talking this morning to Lori. I don't know if you're this way, but I got saved at youth camp when I was in sixth grade. I remember crying at the altar. I remember sitting down having my hot cocoa at camp and cookies even, just like we do now. And I remember Pat saying to Kent, my best friend then, and my, you guys look like you use the same handkerchief is what I thought she said. I was still blubbering. I was crying. But I, for the life of me, can't tell you what they preached about that night. I think it was Pastor Joseph Thornton, but I wouldn't swear because I just remember Jesus. Yeah. Now, that's not a slam on pastors or anything. Anybody else have a salvation experience in church and you can't remember what the pastor preached about? Anybody else? Am I the only one? There's something about the draw of God that supersedes the wisdom of the guy talking. We're just vessels trying to do our best. But this is what's amazing about the Holy Spirit. He's not limited by your pastor's mentality, wisdom, giftedness. That if we have willing and open hearts and loving and humble hearts, God can exalt the humble and take our weaknesses and prove his strength. That's church. Why church? Let's go to the very first verse Chapter 17, this portion of 17, 18, and 19 just lit up to me. How would you like to go to a church like this, starting in verse 17? And Jesus came down to them. 
Don't you love when Jesus comes down to us? He's not the big man upstairs. He's not this vague thing. Jesus came down to be with us. That's it. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah? Emmanuel, from the very beginning, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God come down with us. Awesome. That's why church, because you meet God here. He comes here. He comes down. He's not on a high horse. He personalizes his presence with you and me. He comes down to your level and meets you there. Doesn't necessarily want to keep you there, but he meets you there. And it says in this scripture, the next verse, oh, excuse me, same verse, and they stood on a level place. And I don't know why it didn't go there. Mine says level place. There you go. And they came to a level place. Shouldn't church be now, whether it's the only place in the world or not, it, it maybe shouldn't be the only place, but it's probably the only place that can truly happen in all sincerity and reality where nobody in here is more important than anybody else. Yeah. It's level. God levels the playing field, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, it says that Jesus met them on a level place, so he's still down with us on our level. This is why we use different versions of the Bible, because language communicates at that person's level, and it's very important that we use a language people understand. You know when they hung Jesus on the cross? They put it in three languages above his cross. Behold, king of the Jews, in Greek, Latin, and Arabic. And the religious leaders said, take that down. Why didn't they like it? Because it communicated to everybody in the crowd what it said. If it had just been in a remote, dead language... They wouldn't have made such a big stink about it. But God communicated at their level, behold, the king, in every level of language. And this is why God wants to talk to you on your level in a way that you understand. But what I love about this scripture is he's not only level with us. Like Jesus said, if I come to serve you, then you ought to serve each other. I didn't come to be served by you, but I came to serve you, and you need to serve one another. And he leveled the playing field. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, he said, learn to be the servant of everybody. That's level, baby. I'll tell you, that just puts us all in our place. I, I want to put you all in your place. We're servants. Let's put ourselves in, in our place. Pastors are servants. They're one of the best secular books out there, Good to Great, talks about how businesses have made huge sacrifices and decisions and been very visionary to go from good to great. And the author said to his research team, I don't want you to go out and tell me and come back. It's because of the CEO or the president organization. That's just too easy of an answer. These companies have gone from good to great way more than one guy. And when it all got done in the end, they had to admit that the level five leader was the reason it went from good to great. A level five leader, that's a bigger number than a level one leader, was a servant leader. The leader that had the highest ranking, that did the best job turning his company ground around, was the servant leader. 
that awesome? Even in the secular world, the principles of kingdom living work out there. That's the beauty of kingdom living. It works here, it works at home, works out there. If you're not working at a home, but you're working it here, you're missing the point. These principles work everywhere, just like gravity does on earth. So we're on a level place together. That's why church, that's one of the reasons. God's here and we're here together. And it doesn't matter what your age is. Young people, this is your church. You aren't the church of the future. You're the church of today. Ladies, you don't have a subservient lesser place. Uh, Let me back up. Yes, you have a subservient place because you're a servant. But you don't have a lesser place. It's level here. Men aren't better than you. The Bible says, husbands, treat your wives as a weaker vessel. And people go, there you go, lesser. No, no, no. Ladies, any of you have fine china at home? You've, you've inherited it from great-grandma. How valuable is china? But you don't take it camping. It's too weak to go camping, and it's too valuable to use it and abuse it that way. Ladies, you're fine china. Guys, you're the cast iron pot that goes into the hills. Beat you around, put you in the fire. You love heat. You, know. you do that with your wife, though, man. You got to back down, treat him like a weaker vessel. Wives, you're to honor your husband. Men, you're to love your wives. We're on a level place. You older people now, you're not with it anymore. We're turning the music and this whole church over to the next gen because old people, you don't count anymore. How many old people would disagree with that? Yeah. So young people are important to this church. We need to value and honor them. Older people, we need to value and honor you. Is it possible that a church could honor everybody? It would take a miracle. It's easy to say. It's hard to do, but it's supernatural. That's why church. It's not like the Elks Club. It's not like schools. It's not like the business. It is the holy house of God where he is no respecter of persons. And you're great because you serve. We're on a level place. This is why we go to church. Another thing that will bless you beyond belief is to understand it's okay to be a part of a church that's a great crowd. We are now living in a valley that is no longer tiny. We are living in an ocean that has schools of fish swarming around our church boat. And God didn't give you one line and a hook. He's given us nets. The only time God used a hook was to catch that one piece of coin that he wanted to pay people with. They fished with nets. And right off the bat, at the beginning of their ministry, the Bible says the nets were so full they were tearing, and another Christian boat came along, and they began to fill it, and the nets began to tear, and the boats began to sink. God loves great crowds. Get ready. Now, I pray God prepares us for a church of 500 right now so that when these come in, our nets won't tear. We'll build the net strong enough to take a catch that's bigger than this. God loves his followers 
want to be a part of a great crowd. Now, if, if, if I was preaching this in Kellogg, I'd say, come on, let's get up to 90 people in our church. We'd have a mega church in Kellogg at 90. And God would be pleased. He'd be tickled. And we have to remember when we talk small church, little church, it's not less important churches, more important churches. We're back to a level playing field. The reality is 67%, they think, of all God's kids go to small churches under 60 to 80 people. Does God love small churches? Well, he loves 70% of his kids, I'll tell you that. But the reality is we are in a big ocean with a lot of fish, and if these fish get away, it's just a shame. God has made us to be fishermen of men. We ought to put, Dave, I can't get you out of my head. You've invested in fishing, haven't you? I mean, he's got a boat. I see it on Facebook. He's got this boat. He's made his kids go fishing with him. Janelle has to go fishing with him. Everybody has to go fishing with him. He is a fisherman. And if there's a bass in the lake in North Idaho, he will nab it, grab it, and win the contest. If we could, as in the natural, so in the spiritual, we'd invest in our boats, nets. We'd get our kids involved. We'd get our wives. Everybody gets involved in fishing. Jesus said, come follow me. They were called followers. If you follow me, I will make you. Because it's not. By the way, this whole chapter is counterintuitive and counterhuman. This whole chapter you'll find. Blessed are they who are poor and cry and are starving. That's just nuts. I don't consider that a blessed life. I'm just telling you. Those of you that are doing well and think you're okay, you need to be warned. You're not doing as great as you think you're doing. That's just counterintuitive. This whole book is counterintuitive. And for you and I to think that we can go out and grab a bunch of people, bring them in here, and still feel as important as we do now is really counterintuitive. To have the same church we used to, to, to have the same mentality. Ralph, you're threatening my past. You're threatening my vision of what I want to... If I wanted to go to a big church, I'd already be at Calvary Chapel this morning, right now. Right? It's counterintuitive to think we can get better and bigger. For you. Oh, I know the church could get a better name and be bigger, but as for me personally, there's no way I'll just get lost in the crowd. That is counterintuitive. No, that's intuitive. I'm sorry, that's just intuitive. But this whole chapter says you're going to be blessed if you think different. If you give your life, you will have an amazing, what's the name of this series? You will be blessed beyond measure. You want to just be blessed in the measure that you understand, then stay down here in the human, fleshly, intuitive area. Jesus did not teach like the normal religious leaders, he spoke as one who had authority and he spoke way out of the box, didn't he? He didn't tell him to do the intuitive thing. He told him to do the counter-human thing. The counter-intuitive thing. I want to make you a fisher of men. And I want you to love great crowds. Because everywhere Jesus went, he began to have Great crowds. It got so big he couldn't even go into the city to get a hotel room. Jesus draws all men unto him. And in Kellogg, that's 90 to 100 per church. In the Treasure Valley, they're saying in 10 years, I think it's 50, 40 to 60,000 believers are going to move here in the next 10 years. 
Can you imagine adding to the Treasure Valley 50,000 churched people? Where are they going to go? Well, I'm sorry. Door closes after door closes because we want to keep our church. We want to fish with a line and a hook. No. And Jesus said this, pray that God will send laborers into the harvest. Where do you think the laborers come from? We need to just open up our brains and open our hands. I love when I hear ministry say, I, I just want to open my hands to God and whatever God wants with my life. I would say 99 and 9 tenths percent of you, when you put your offering in the plate today, went, and you didn't write a little note on it, spend this on the children's program. You just went, yeah? And we give our ministries that way to God, and we give our church, this is not my church. How many would agree it's not my church? How many would agree it's not your church? It's Jesus' church, and you're his, so by association, it's our church. Because it's his church, he's my daddy, I go where my daddy goes to church. It's my father's house, not my house, it's my father's house. And he can invite to the table whoever he wants to invite, yes? Let's have a great crowd for Jesus, followers. You're his followers, come on. Let's have a great crowd and allow God to just love on everybody. Let him love it all and let him sort it out. It's not our job to judge or sort it out. Let's just love on them. And it doesn't mean we're stupid. We're going to get Bibles into people's hands and say, read this. And you can't have the Holy Spirit and read the Bible without God making some corrections in your life. And what's really cool is it says a great multitude, not a small multitude, came from everywhere. It said they came from all of Jerusalem, all of Judea, all of Tyre. I mean, they could have just kept going on. Everybody around the earth, they all came. Who do you want to leave out of your church this morning? Or do we want a great multitude from all over? And if it's a level playing field, that includes ladies that have three kids and no husband. Families with five kids, and they're hardly 30 years old. That's just weird. <laughs> old couples with no kids. That's weird. But we're all on a level playing field, and so is the drug addict the hurting father, the divorcee, I don't want to name, name, sin is sin. God desires that none should perish. Let's pray that the great multitude from all over begins to pour into this house, amen? Oh, the Father's house should have a great multitude pouring in, followers and a great multitude. Because... That will bless us beyond measure. Some of you have never felt that. And God says, oh, you're missing out. Wait till I bless you beyond measure. And you got to sit somewhere else because your pew has been filled before you even get to church. Now you have to go to the second service. Two services, well, I can't put a great multitude in here, and neither can you in one service. Okay, now some of you are going, oh, okay, you just cross the line route. It will bless us beyond measure. Trust the Bible. If Jesus was the pastor, do you think we'd stay at 112, which we have more than that today? Can you imagine Jesus being pastor of one of our churches and it begins to drop to 80 people, 65 people, and then it levels off at 65 because now all the relatives can go to church together with Jesus? It's kind of laughable to think about that. 
I want you all to pray in the next several months. God, help our pastor be just like Jesus. Help our ministry team reflect Jesus' ministry where they can hardly travel because the church is getting thronged by the crowd. Like Harvest Carnival. Woohoo! That was awesome. We were thronged. That was great. Are you underlining your Bible? And we come to hear him. Why, church? You can hear God's voice. Now, those of you that are new to God, don't be weirded out. He created you. He knows how to download into you in a way that doesn't sound, you know. I hated those old faxes and the old emails in the old days. We'd go to Juno.com. And we got used to it, but it was weird. Now it just free flows in social media. In fact, we can hardly keep our eyes off of it. It's just so natural and intuitive. God knows how to speak to you and friend you and download his pictures of his family into your life and what God's doing today and what he's doing in the earth today. And he begins to speak to you. Images, pictures. Seldom do you hear a voice in your head, but he can do that too if you need it. He can do whatever you need if you want to connect with him. And he will connect with you. Some of you will never pick up your smartphone because you don't have one. You're going to go email every time. God knows that. He doesn't say, well, if you won't talk to me on the phone, I just won't talk. No, no, he emails the pejeebers out of that thing. Well, I don't have email or a computer. I want to talk on the phone. Then pick up the line and say, hello, Jesus. Because he loves talking face-to-face anyway. He will find a way to connect with you. We come to church not to hear man, not to hear the political agenda of the day, not to hear that BSU is better than U of I. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That goes without saying. Sometimes. (laughs) Don't say it is what I'm telling you. Just don't say it. Now, ISU, you can bash on them, huh, Dave? No, I'm just kidding. We come here because God can talk to people. You can hear him today. If you open up your heart right now and you're looking at your Bible and you're underlined, God will speak through his Holy Spirit to you about your Bible, and you might even be putting already notes in your margins. Now, I just realized as I'm looking out to all you using your telephones, I don't know how you can underline there, but you highlight, I guess, right? I guess it does underline. We come to church and we're blessed beyond measure because we can be healed of all our sicknesses. Is there anybody that would argue in our society today there's a lot of sickness going around? It's not just physical. In fact, we're getting a handle on the physical better than ever in the history of man. I mean, even if we're not practicing, at least we know more than we used to. We know what eating and diet and good diets and bad diets look like. We know what good doctors, bad doctors. We, we, we're getting the physical health thing down, and it's a billion, trillion, gazillion dollar industry out there. But you can get all that squared away and still be sick. We have some sick thinking in the world. 
God can heal. Why do we come to church? How to be blessed beyond measure? Allow him to heal the sickness in your mind, in your heart, in your emotions. He can heal it all. That's why church. You can't get that anywhere else in the world. In fact, Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Can you think of anything in this world that's hellish? The Bible says there's only one entity in the entire earth that those things cannot, no hellish thing can prevail against your church. Now, that was a bold statement, wasn't it? You're going, well, maybe my church, any church that professes Jesus Christ as its solid rock on which we stand. Upon that rock where Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's very exclusive. It's very secluded. Only through Jesus will you know God. And if you understand that and believe in Jesus, you're on a rock that the hellish things of this world can't shake you from. Because Jesus said it in red letter edition. Gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. That's another reason why church. He heals all our sicknesses. Now, I need to tell you, if you don't know about Jesus, why I said it's only through Jesus. No man has seen God. That's what the Bible says. I, I, I know we see God in the flowers. We see God in the trees. I know. But no man has actually seen the full image of God. So for centuries and millennium, people have been guessing about the image of God. They've been guessing about how he acts, what he thinks, how he thinks, how mean, how happy, how loving, how forgiving, how hateful, how judgmental. They're trying to fill in the gaps because no man had ever seen God until Jesus showed up. And he dwelled, the full Godhead of God dwelt in him bodily. The full Godhead, Holy Spirit, God, and man, son of man, dwelt there. And he says, you're still wondering about God, the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, if you've watched me, teach my disciples to follow everything I say. Jesus said, I only say those things my Father says. I only do those things my father do because I wanted you to know the true image of God the Father. It's only, I'll tell you, as good of a man as Mahatma Gandhi was, he was not God in the flesh. Mother Teresa, off the chart. I don't want to be graded on a curve with that lady. Not Jesus, not God. No human being, Buddha, Muhammad, you name it, has ever been the full image of God on earth in the natural. It was Jesus. He is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. And it's only through Jesus can you understand the Father God. And I love the image of God through Jesus. I'll tell you, what an awesome, what is that song we sing? Oh, we have a good God. He's a good Father. Why? Because I know Jesus. So that's why. We can be healed from all our sicknesses. And here's one in America we could use. And those who are troubled. Now it says troubled with unclean spirits were cured. But I love just leaving it wide open. Unclean spirits or not, anybody troubled today? 
That's why I would go to church all my life. From the time I was 16 years of age until now, I knew if I was troubled and really walked into church with an open heart and open mind, God would untrouble me. Whatever he had to say to me, I don't know. He's, he's just a brilliant coach. He knows what to say when, you know? Sometimes you need a kick in the pants. Sometimes you need him to put his arm around you. I, I love the image of the national championship. David could tell me what, what it is where this college team was in the national playoffs of all times and they lost by two points and the star shot missed an easy shot or whatever and he's down on the floor just melted into a puddle of discouragement and, and this coach whose whole career rides on this winning the game runs onto the field gets down on the floor with the boy hugs him in the midst of probably losing his million dollar coaching contract who knows was threatened at that point, I'm sure, to some degree, except he's in the national finals, so anybody would fire that coach is nuts. But I'm sure that coach wanted a national title for his belt, you know, for his den, for his legacy. And yet that coach's legacy to me was huge when he went onto that floor and hugged that boy. Sometimes the father just hugs the bejeebers out of us in the midst of defeat because we're so troubled. That's why church... And that's why you can be blessed beyond measure because there's no one else in the world, nowhere else in the world you can go to have all your troubles cured but in the house of the Lord. And through his people and through the ministry of Christ, for he equips the people with all ministries and gives you all the gifts you need here to solve and salve the troubled soul. He gives you those gifts so we can be with the Father and join in the ministry of loving people back to Christ. This is why we want a great crowd, because people are going to come in troubled, and God will use you to light your life up, and you'll remember that story the rest of you. go, I am blessed beyond measure. When I saw that young mother begin to cry at the altar, I just couldn't hardly stand anymore. You will be blessed beyond measure. Somebody will need clothes, and you'll go to their house, and you'll knock on the door, and You'll give him clothes and watch the father cry because he just lost his job. But you were led by the Spirit to bless them with all your kids' old clothing, which was still almost brand new because they didn't wear it that long. <laughs> Don't give them junk. Give them your best. And when you give your gifted, your best, your gifted best, every joint supplies, every need is met, and troubles go away. They don't last forever. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because we're going through the valley. We're not staying here. God helps us even in the valleys of darkness in our life. He helps us get through the trouble to the other side. And all of us seek him to touch him. It says that the crowds pressed in just to touch Jesus, do you know that because this is a level playing field, it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for 90 years or 9 minutes or 9 seconds or never at all, Jesus is touchable. Right now, whatever troubles your soul, you can touch him this morning. You got to push in, but you can touch him. Jesus said, if you ask, I will answer. If you knock, I open the door. If you will seek to touch me, you'll find me. He makes that promise to every young person in this room, every 
mother in this room, every single parent, every person under the sound of my voice, Jesus is promising you, if you want to touch him, he's touchable. Just ask, knock, and seek. It's not all on him. If it was all on him, he could force people to serve him. And he could. If it was all on him, he wouldn't let anybody perish, but nobody would have a brain of their own and nobody's chose him. Now, the funny thing about that is we didn't choose him first, that he first chose us. That's why we choose him. But he knows people's heart. He knows their mind. There's a lot of people out there would love to touch Jesus, but they think he's off limits. They think you're not supposed to. They, either that or they would love to believe in it, but nobody has preached the word of faith to them. Watching somebody touch Jesus will bless you beyond measure. But you first touch him and be blessed beyond measure. And you can, I'll tell you, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus says, I'm there. He put a qualifier on, yes, you can serve me by yourself. Yes, you need a prayer closet. Yes, you need your prayer language to edify yourself. But the reality is, in the midst of my people's praise, I'm there. It's in corporate gatherings that God shows up in aces. And I know that many of you that have had a faithful church life have found that some of your highest points of touching Jesus have been in a church. Now, they're not your only ones, but some of your best and most happen in the house of the Lord, at the Father's house around his table with all his kids. And, and many times it was somebody that had a gift that touched you with Jesus and their gift. That's why, church, you can touch Jesus. And when they touched him, and they said they touched him because they knew power comes out from You know, you're not touching um, another club, another organ. I love Boy Scouts. I was a Boy Scout until I couldn't tie any more knots. I mean, I, you know, there's great organizations. Be on football teams. Be on debate team. Be doing your thing. But there is nothing where power emanates out of it like Jesus. True power. And I think that it's a shame when churches have a form of godliness but deny that power. That's not church as Jesus had it. I want to have church where Jesus is in the midst and the crowds are coming, people are pressing in to touch him, and they want to hear him, and they want to be made whole, and every disease is healed, and if you press in, you will touch him. I want to go to a church that has a powerful God. If he's not powerful... Go serve anything you want. Because the power of the mind is an awesome thing. And if you want to take a statue and put it in your house, the placebo effect will surely work some. I want a God that supersedes the natural man. I want a God that supersedes my questions, my doubts. And when my heart is overwhelmed, I want to be led to a rock that's higher than me. And when I'm in the miry clay, he puts my feet miraculously, supernaturally on a rock to stay. That's the God I want. Do you know the God I serve could stop the planet Earth and the sun stands still while Joshua fights a battle and beats the enemy? Do you know my God can do that even beyond the scientific understanding of where the oceans go when they're traveling at 500 miles an hour and all of a sudden the Earth puts on the brakes? I have a God that's so smart, he could make it all happen. And the complexity of that would blow your mind away, but that's why he is God. He's God of the fiery furnace, he's God of the lion's den, he's God of all creation, and he's God of the hearts of men, amen? 
He's God. He's just God, God, God. I want a God for a God. I don't want a figment of my imagination that can only do what I can conjure up in my own thinking. I want a God that blows my brain away with what he can do and how he can think and how he can love and how he can forgive. I want a God that blows me away, blows me out of the water. I've been so cynical watching people do things in this earth, promise things, all the politicians, all the armies, all the world, promise and promise and promise. And I'm telling you, they're just people. Parents, you can only do so much and you disappoint your kids. Of course you do. You're just people. You can't fix everything. You don't have all consuming power. That's why I want God who's God and who's a loving God. And no matter how powerful he is, he's meek. That word meek means power under control. He never uses his power for his own gain or his own agenda. Unless his agenda is loving on you, which is his agenda, loving on people. He will use his power to promote that agenda. But he doesn't do it because it's self-seeking. He wants you and I blessed beyond measure. He's already blessed beyond measure. He wants to pass on the wealth. And so you got to begin to think like God, act like God, believe in God. And you will be touching the power. And because they touched him, they knew power emanated out. It says it again, underline it twice, and he heals us. I want a God that can heal me. And you know, we need to not put human restrictions on how God heals us. There were lepers that weren't healed right away. And as they went, they got healed. God can do it that way. Immediately he saw, God can do it that way. Immediately, the man saw blurry, and he saw trees as men walking. Well, God, Jesus just wasn't on that day. It says he put it, and he said, what do you see? He says, I see men as trees walking. It's just blurry images, so God prayed for him again. You never know how God's going to do it. And by the way, none of us get out of here alive anyway. Our goal isn't necessary to see how long we can live on this planet. I want to live as long as God wants me to live, and I don't want to give up sooner than that. But my goal isn't to live a 1,000 years on this planet. So I'm going to prophesy something will take me out that's not all that positive. Sickness can be unto death because it's time to go be blessed beyond, beyond, beyond measure. There is something better than life on this earth. But God wants to show you, blessed beyond measure here, so you understand, multiply that times 10, now you're getting closer to heaven. Heaven is beyond belief, but if God doesn't raise your level of expectation, raise the bar a little bit, you won't really know what blessed means. He wants to bless us beyond measure here, and then it just makes us giddy thinking that heaven's even better yet. Is that okay to say? Now, I'm going to quickly go over the last part I read because it's really counterintuitive, and I've always wondered what it meant. Blessed are you when you're poor. Blessed are you when you cry. Blessed are you when you have nothing. Be blessed, be blessed, because someday, well, of course we all know we'll go to heaven. But woe to you if you have all these things. What, what I feel like, what I believe in praying and studying, and I, I, I'm not ready to write a book, 
But Jesus gives blessings and warnings. In Matthew 5, he just gives all the blessings. He doesn't give any woes in Matthew. In fact, he, the blessings are even larger in the book of Matthew. And you need to study that along with Luke to get a bigger picture of what Jesus was saying. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not just blessed are the poor who have no money or feel poor. There's a lot of you raised poor. You didn't know it. And that was awesome. You weren't poor. The African people will tell you they do not know. The African Christians do not know how we make it as Christians in America. We have so much distraction. For when the seed's planted, roots will, weeds will grow up around the good seed, and the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life choke it out. So people in Africa can't figure out how we serve Jesus with any kind of reality and vivacious service. But it's funny, in America, we always wonder how these poor nations can serve God. Kind of weird, isn't it? Poor in spirit, meekness, humbleness. I'm going to flip him and talk about the warnings first. He said, woe, be warned, be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> if, and I want to put a word to this. If you are independently wealthy, I want to put independently in, independently wealthy. You did it all on your own. You don't need anybody else. You don't want to share your wealth. They didn't give it to you. You're not giving it away. I got it. I keep it. That's independent wealth. If God was against just wealth in general, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Daniel would have been sent to Nehemiah. Joseph of Arimathea, who was rich enough to buy Jesus's Barnabas. If God was against wealth, money would only be in the devil's hands. Money is amoral. It's not good or bad. It's what we do with it. And if you have a mindset that all this wealth that I have, God gave me, it's all his, then you're fine. If you don't love it, you're fine. It's just a tool. And God gave me a lot of tools to bless a lot of people and bless the church. And it's going out and going out. More goes out than comes in. It feels like then God, you know, you can't outgive God. But if you have independent wealth, be afraid. If you won't share it with God or anybody else because you earned it, you're independent with your money. You're not recognizing. You need to be woeful in that case. So if you're wealthy independently, you're overconfident in yourself, you do not take Jesus seriously, you laugh off sin, uh, you want to be the most popular and most important person in the room, you've got to be the smartest guy in the room at every meeting, woe to that person. Yes? Yes. But what's interesting is as he says this, rich, full of food, popular, everybody loves you, that looks like you're okay. But I need to tell you, you need to be careful. Just because society says that's okay, Jesus doesn't say it's okay. Right? And then he goes into, first, prior to that, he goes into, blessed are you when you're poor, blessed are you when you're hungry, blessed are you when you have lack, blessed are you when people reject you, they don't love you, when, God un when people unfriend you. Be rejoicing if you're being that way because you're serving Jesus. In other words, that life he describes, they're not okay, and yet God's saying they're okay. I feel like one um, theological explanation of these verses, in other words, it's okay to not be okay. It's just okay. Everybody who comes into the house of the Lord, white church, go ahead, Lori, white church,
It's because this is the one place in the world that should be okay not to be okay. We don't want to be religious and show everybody we're okay on the outside. Jesus says, warning, warning. If you're trying to show everybody you're okay, that's a warning signal because nobody's okay. Everybody's poor in something, lacks something, been rejected by something. You don't brag about how full you are, how much money you have. You ought to come in and need in this house. We all need to be okay with Jesus, not out in the world. I want you to succeed. I want you to have financial, educational, family blessing. Again, it's not about the money. It's about the attitude of the heart before the Lord. He's talking about be warned if your heart is arrogant and proud and you think you don't need anybody else and you don't need the church and you laugh off your sins. Man, that's a warning sign. But everybody in this house should say, oh God, I'm poor in spirit. I'm troubled about something, God. I'm not perfect. My kids, I do not want to write a book right now. God, we're not okay. But you know what, church? That's okay because this is a place we ought to be able to come and say we're not okay. That's why church, that's why we can become blessed beyond measure. All the times I've come to church not okay and maybe one service didn't do it, but over a season of time, God just takes our seasons of trouble and he makes them okay. And and what he's saying is have hope no matter how troubled you are, no matter how hurting you are. Oh, rejoice in your heart. Have hope. I don't want to leave you here. I don't want to keep you in this place. I want to heal you. I want to sustain you. I want to grow you. Rejoice in your heart. That's Bible hope. That's what hope means. Have hope. No matter what troubles you, no matter what about your life is not okay, I want to touch you and make you okay because I have power to do that. He's not stingy with that power. We're going to sing and I want to give you a chance. If you want to be made okay in an area of your life, want to be untroubled in an area, want a disease healed, Jesus is here and the kingdom of God is in session and this is the Father's house and this is why we go to church to be touched where we live in a real way, in a miraculous way, in a God way. Can you have faith to believe that Jesus can touch you right now and make it okay? In his time, he'll make it okay? Could we stand this morning? If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I pray that you might be saying in your heart, I wish that fairy tale was true. If you said that in your heart, That's God talking to you and saying it's possible and it is and it is true. And if you just walk into it, you'll experience a blessing beyond your comprehension, a blessing beyond measure. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I just wonder with every head bowed, we're going to pray for these folks that maybe have never asked Jesus into their heart or have been reluctant or have heard about him for the first time. I want to give you all a chance to ask Jesus more into your heart. And I want to say this this morning, if you're troubled in any way, in just a minute, if you have a disease in any part of your life or just need to be okay. We're going to ask in just a minute and allow you to be ministered to. But for right now, just those that have never known Jesus or would like to know him more or would like to recommit your life to Jesus, with every head bowed, would you just raise your hand so I can 
pray with you and know who you are. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you want Jesus this morning, would you just raise your hand so I can pray? Hallelujah. Could everybody just repeat after me so they're not repeating? Oh, that's beautiful. Those who raised your hand had the courage to do that. That was just, that's just beautiful. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when you do that. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I've seen Jesus today. And I want him to touch my heart and mind and soul. Please forgive me for any mistakes or sins I've made. And usher me into your presence, God. And save me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, as a minute, we're getting ready to sing, uh, and I want you to feel free to come to the altar, make a physical sign that you want God to touch your life. And when we begin to sing, I want the prayer team to come up and anybody that wants to come up and just receive prayer. If you don't want prayer, just don't stand in front of somebody. You just want to talk to you and God. Then just come forward and stand there. And as we sing, just feel a freedom to do that right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead, Lori. Prayer team, go ahead and come. Come on, be okay. Be made whole this morning. Allow him to touch you. Press in, knock, ask, seek for him this morning. You set my feet upon a rock. Put a new song into my mouth. Praise to my God. Praise to my Lord. Praise to my
If you gave your heart to Jesus today, I want to encourage you, tell somebody about it. It's important that you share your faith right off the bat that Jesus touched your heart and saved your soul. Just share with somebody who's a greeter or a pastor. It doesn't have to be a big thing other than just one-on-one. Just let it come out of your mouth. I accepted Jesus today. Would you do that? Now, for those of you that didn't feel to come forward, I want to just like to pray for you. If you had any need today, anything in your heart that you would like Jesus to touch, would you just raise your hand right now, and we're just going to pray a general prayer for you. A prayer where God knows your question, knows your concern, knows your need. Father, right now, I sense there's some financial needs in this house, Father. I pray right now for financial provision, Lord. Not prosperity or poverty, but Father, you give them enough to steward over everything their life is meant to steward over. Right now, in Jesus' name, Father, bless them with more than enough. Right now, in Jesus' name, give them a strategy. Give them an opportunity. Give them a will to work. Whatever it is, oh God, that they need. I don't know what it is, Father. Free their schedule. Cause them to run into the right person this week. Father, you can do all things. Jesus, we ask that in your name. Father, for those that have issues in their family with relationships right now, Father, we pray for healing in those areas. That peace will resume in the house and you'll give the father and mother a strategy the parents a strategy, Father, the grandparents a strategy, a godly wisdom. Father, for everything else that people have raised their hands for, Holy Spirit, you know you're their best friend. Right now, we just release you into their hearts and minds to heal in Jesus' name, to untrouble in Jesus' name, to send peace, righteousness, and joy in Jesus' name. And we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. If you still want prayer, you can come forward. But could we just give the Lord a hand this morning for all the great things he's done? Amen.